there are stories all around us that bring us back to our inner wisdom. Since Close-Up's inception, we have always been about community, tribe. Humans crave community. Humans crave stories. We bring community and narrative together. The backbone of civilization are these two things. So in a time where we want to push each other away, what we want to do is bring people together and learn from each other and listen. Welcome. I am your host, Sofia Nunez Morales, and you're about to hear a conversation with my ladies, Meg, Nora, and Talia, and myself, about a topic that a lot of people think about. Relationships, dating, love, it's complicated. So, in America, especially in New York, there is a very specific dynamic and, you know, that, that's a whole other conversation about dating in other countries, but we and myself wanted to step outside of the kind of web that goes on in New York dating and relationships in general. And I was walking in Union Square one day and kind of stopped because I had this thought and wrote it down that there's this framework that either makes or breaks relationships and here it is. Number one, attraction, physical or energetic. That is a major component. Everyone can relate to that. That's a part of relationships, period. Two, the list of things you want in a partner everyone kind of has a and i don't want to generalize but most people have some sort of know of what they are looking for or what they're not looking for it doesn't necessarily have to be a very you know a type personality list of you know what i'm talking about anyways three timing could be age could be time spent in the city schedules Someone could be working 16-hour days or someone could be in one location part of the week, whatever, you know what I mean. Four, lifestyle choices. Whether that's they drink a lot or they do yoga all the time or they're committed to XYZ. Five, history and psychological state. If you are not familiar with this yet, (laughs) this affects relationships. Your childhood upbringing, you may have some past trauma, which could be more serious, but your psychological state and the history of your life affects relationships. Number six, cultural and societal standards. So... You may not have thought about this, but, you know, American culture has certain standards and ideas that we hold in our lives, like standard of beauty, standard of lots of things. So just social, cultural standards, 
it's easier to see that if you're looking at another culture. But we are looking at our culture. <laughs> so in this episode, we focus on attraction, but you know, the conversation's natural and we bounce a lot back and forth and the other things come through. So we're not necessarily doing an episode on each six things because it's really fluid and we talk about all of them. So I hope you enjoy the conversation and let us know what you think. I think it is complicated because I think it's more of the existential feelings of like, what the fuck is love? I had a relationship that was almost solely about physical attraction and we were humping like rabbits and I will make sure my parents do not listen to this portion of the podcast. (laughs) And um, Yeah, but the thing is that was funny is we did have a year or two where it probably was just one year, but it's like it happened in undergrad. So you like years become decades when you're that age. So it probably was just Mm -hmm. like a year, six months, I don't know, where we like Facebook messaged and he would like, he's a writer. So he would send me like these long, beautiful like messages about his day and blah, blah, blah. And then finally when we were able to be together and basically I didn't sleep with him until we were monogamous. And once we were able to sleep together, because we had a lot of interactions before where we were talking and, you know, engaging and connecting um, on a different level. And then after that was complete sex all the time, like no talking. And (laughs) yeah, and then he was like totally thought of me as a completely different person and forgot that we did have, you know, some sort of actual things in common. So... Yeah. And then and then my other ex, um, who will not be named, he was such a great friend and we just laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed, but I just wasn't sexually attracted to him. So definitely think what do you guys think about attraction? What's happening in your life with attraction? <laughs> well I'm finding that I was actually, like, just thinking about this earlier, which is, like, not to say that I am not normally thinking about this. Um, I, it's very important. Like, I think this point, (laughs) like, 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 I'm, I'm finding that it is very important. And, and... I was also thinking, because, okay, I have, like, I'm currently seeing a man who I am, I feel like some, like, on and off attraction, like, mainly on, and, like, I don't know, just dependent on how he wears his hair and whatnot. <laughs> like, there, like how he dresses at times. Like, sometimes, like, sometimes it's more on than others, I'll say. Um, and although, and he is, like, 6'1 or something. And then there's this, this man who I went on a date with this past weekend, was it? Was it this past weekend? I don't know. And then, and he too is like 
six one, like quite tall. I am attracted to him. This is, and then this is like needless to. I was just going through like this man that I dated prior to, and he was five seven. I like I physically found him to be attractive, and like I didn't, you know, I didn't find him to possess like the height that like is just really is really attractive to me. Like just makes me feel like makes me feel more attractive. You know what I'm saying? Like just gives me a little bit more freedom. We with, know like, what you're saying. Yes, because <laughs> a bitch likes to wear wear heels. So I don't know. I guess I was just thinking about like how it all like plays how it all kind of levels out because I found I found this man who's five seven I found him to be like good conversation and like he took like a seemingly took a sincere interest in me and I found him to be a good listener um and Yes, I was attracted to him physically, and yes, I would have liked him to be, like, four or five inches taller. And then this other man who is, like, taller, um, makes me feel like more of a woman, is also physically attractive. However, like, it does, just based off of the first date is not as good of a listener and does not seemingly take as much of a sincere interest in me, then that's like, well, who do I find to be more attractive? Like, I genuinely don't know, slash am, like, leaning towards the man. Like, I, I was having this thought earlier of, like, I was willing to make, like, the spot, like, his height, like, a non-issue. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. I guess I – and then I also feel like with this man, too – sorry, I'm, like, really taking this and running with it. No, no, go with it, it, girl. Let's hear it. What do you think about it, I also feel like this dude that I've been – who I've been seeing, um, who I'm not interested in long-term, I, like – I when you're not like interested in someone long term, I'm finding that I then like it is more apparent to me when I am not attracted to them, like physically. Because it's like it's nearly like, well, this is like what I'm here for in a sense. Or like in some capacity I'm here on like a more superficial level. So if like that's not being met, then I'm like more aware of that. Maybe, and whereas, like, maybe with someone who I am interested in more of, like, a long-term level and find that I'm connecting with on a deeper level, it's not, it's just not as apparent. If there's a general physical attraction that then kind of the nuances don't become as apparent. Whereas, like, the short-term man, it's like I know, like, literally from, like, hour to hour, when I'm attracted to him and when I'm not. Like, what clothes that I like that he wears. I don't like when his, like, shirt is off. I like when he's, like, standing a certain way, when his hair looks a certain way. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like I'm mm-hmm. just not fully fulfilled in other areas. 
Guys, yeah, no. Wear your hair a certain way. Stand up straight. All the way above your ankles. Like I don't know. <laughs> it's just like I think that those nuances have become clearer. Um, yeah, I think attraction is important, but I also have found it to be like quite the enigma for me, where I don't. Like, it does matter, and it doesn't matter. As in, if I'm attracted to you, I'm attracted to you. If I'm not, I'm not. I'm not really finding a lot of rhyme or reason to when I am or I'm not, except that it can totally build for me. Like, I could find you, I could see you and feel absolutely nothing for you, and then I get to know you, and you have all of these qualities that I enjoy, and suddenly, like, you're the bee's knees. So... It, for me, it's definitely more about the personality. What I've come to understand is that the voice really matters. Like, if you have a great voice, I see whatever I want to see. Um, so <laughs> I just I, close know, my eyes. Yeah, <laughs> like, great. Um, so, yeah, it, it's not really hard to pin. And I've really, really been interested in people from all different types of body types, et cetera. And one thing I did notice is that as more confident has built in myself where I, like, am not really worried about um, whether I'm attractive or not, I used to be very, like, I need this height, like, specifically to what you were talking about, Megan. And Mm -hmm. I have now dated men shorter than me, and I'm like, that's fine, because if we work, like, if I'm into you and, like, your height doesn't, it doesn't affect me as much. So that's, that's been an interesting change is, like, I've gotten more confident or comfortable with myself is being like really less concerned about their, their particular appearance validating mine. Um, that I've noticed, like definitely there seems to be a limit to the shortness. Like if you are more than an inch, suddenly I'm not okay with it, but that has changed for <laughs> you need to be like six foot. So, um, yeah, so definitely as I noticed my attraction in, in interactions with attraction changing depending on my confidence level as well. Um, and also that attraction has changed, I think, what Megan was talking about in terms of whether I am looking long-term at you or not. Um, I found that there was actually a weird switch for me in terms of attraction um, when I was really just too heartbroken to engage with someone again more uh, on a long-term level. And I, like, kind of only became attracted to people that were short-term. And then when I tried to switch back because I met someone more long-term, I was actually having trouble. Um, So I also found that interesting that, like, life experiences were changing my attraction levels. Again, that had a lot more to do with personality. But, yeah, I think, again, I find attraction to be my my biggest moving target in terms of having any, like, really laid-out information about or understanding of what it means for me. Yeah, I think, yeah, let's watch out. Wait, sorry. When you when you say like how it interacts with your, what is that? How it interacts? Did you say with your confidence? Yeah. yeah. Um. Well, meaning like mm-hmm. where you're at in terms of like your confidence is then reflective of them in a sense, or vice versa. Yeah, I guess my concerns about certain things have diminished as I have built more confidence in myself. And, like, essentially when I was less confident in myself or, like, more, yeah, more concerned about whether I was presenting a certain way, probably more to myself. So, yeah, like, this desire to maintain uh, femininity in some way or something like that, I was, I did have more preoccupation with their, their appearance and their 
my attraction to them was kind of dependent on their relation to me. And now I feel like I could find I'm closer to, again, there's a limit to this. It's, it's moved, but not completely, but that I can find someone attractive, you know, and even if they're shorter than me, even if they're like smaller than me or whatever, these things that tend to be associated with like the normal gendered appropriations of a couple, um, between man and woman, I, I'm less concerned about those. Like if they are shorter than me, if they are smaller than me, if they are drastically different than me, I'm like less, I'm finding myself not really thinking about that as much or not, yeah, as reflective on that. Which which has been weird. It's been an interesting, interesting um, change. Like I, five years ago, the concept of me dating someone shorter than me was like never. And now I'm like, I don't really know, notice that much. Like, initially, you don't even notice that much. Not even, like, in terms of getting to know their personality and then, like, it being, like, something that you don't mind or, you know, is not, like, very apparent. I'm sure that there's more of a fusion. Like, I'm sure that maybe I don't notice the person that's shorter than me. But then if I learn about them, then I'm like, oh, yeah, this isn't isn't a concern. Um, But, yeah, maybe, like, my, like, immediate attraction wouldn't be to them. But that the building, like, it's not – I think before, like, even if I was building attraction to them, their height mattered. (laughs) And now I'm like, oh, whatever. And, as I said, there's a limit. So if you are much shorter than me – it it still does matter, <laughs> but there seems it, the the height requirements have shortened. So it's almost like my my interest. I also used to never date anyone that was smaller than me. That was like another one that was very specific. And now I I really don't think about that at all. Hmm. Hmm. Are we? Mm-hmm. We are. Could be. I, I think. So. I think also. I think also yeah. in learning a lot more about like gender I don't know just thinking a lot about gender thinking a lot about like attraction and like trying to take really trying to do work about like breaking gender stereotypes and misconceptions within myself have also like challenged me to be more like thoughtful about whether any of this actually matters so I can't say that this is like just me becoming really confident and not caring I'm sure there's like elements of me like trying to do work and like some of the work actually like sticking I love that. I think that it's what you said gives me like a lot of clarity about um, attraction. And of course, I like to think of things in really broad strokes. So I'm thinking, you know, attraction ultimately, like hearing these different scenarios in a way, it's like the dichotomy between lust and love or, you know, true connection and chemistry. And you know, like Meg was talking about chemistry with someone who is showing interest and listening and, you know, the more you, yeah, just like follow a conversation. For me, that's what I've, I've tried to do. So definitely like 19 to 21 or probably before that, probably 15 to 21. Um, it was, yeah, more about like, well, I don't know. I don't know if it's ever been about a specific aesthetic, but I do try to follow the, follow the conversation. So if the conversation is fascinating or interesting, and instead of like going for the most attractive person in the room, because um, mm-hmm. then then there's a whole narrative that you can create and put on that person that has nothing to do with the person 
and nothing to do really with what you actually feel mm. either. It's like, yeah. and yeah, like, and it's cool to think about, you know, like how I, I, I don't think I've ever thought about how, yeah, that's right. I do kind of like how a man makes me feel about myself, you know, sexually, like with their attraction, like what Meg was talking about. And I can, I yeah. can totally relate to that. And that definitely opens my mind to like, oh, wow, like maybe I have, I need to take a little more ownership of myself. But at the same time, I do want to be attracted to them. So Yeah, yeah. It's a little uncontrollable, right? Like choosing attraction is like really not something we can choose. Like I really feel like you either got it or you don't. Or it builds. Like, and but being these, like you said, it, it, I'm seeing these changes in me, and I know they are not random. You know, I can tell that it has to. And, and even I've, I've talked to Megan a lot about this, like, in me, my body changing. Again, I or I grew up, like, with a lot, with, you know, a lot of my Latin side of my family, and there was a lot of, like, conversations around, uh, like, curvy bodies being, like, ideal and, like, men liking curvy bodies and things like that. And when I lost weight, now my relationship is changing with, with men, and so maybe that's why I'm more open to skinny guys. Maybe it actually has nothing to do <laughs> with that, and just like actually, like a skinny person or thinner man makes me me feel more curvy, which is something I now desire and like miss. Mm-hmm. So it, it really all has to do with like this relationship with self, and maybe, but it truly, it, it's not something I feel like I can be very conscious of. I'm just trying to understand patterns in myself. I don't know. I guess I didn't think about like I never thought about so much what you had said in terms of like do we have control over who we're attracted to like of course there is like a standard of beauty that is sold to us European features white and now it's like changing and whatnot um like the I feel like the standard of beauty is diversifying to you know, of course, a certain extent. And, like, in the communities that you grow up, like, you know, that sets, like, a standard of beauty as well. And, yeah, like, I'm just, I'm thinking about, like, the community where I grew up, where it's, like, a predominantly white community, and I have found myself attracted to for, like, quite some time, men of color like i was gonna say like me and megan we we (laughs) that's not what we're into this like standard of i would say the standard of beauty that has been pushed for so long like you and i have never really been attracted to that um so yeah (laughs) i'm like not sure the agenda is working for them but i know like i guess but then i i don't know like i guess you're saying both of you have been more attracted to men of color Versus, like, yeah, cast. like, whatever, yeah, like, the standard of beauty oh. that has been pushed by movies, et cetera, like, I don't think Megan and I have, like, ever really abided by that. Right. And. Yeah, I have to, I'm I have to put myself in my like, club. I also um, have not, so, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cool, too, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, I guess. And, like, and, and, well, yes. I mean, like, of course, it's, it's a complex. It's a nuanced conversation. Like, I feel to say that we don't, like, that we don't kind of choose our attraction is, 
And I, I don't think that you meant to say this by any means, Talia, but, like, of course, bringing in the conversation of, like, what is considered beautiful and, like, what is considered attractive. And, like, obviously that's socially constructed for us. And that also doesn't full, that doesn't by any means explain why I have, like, chosen the man, the men that I'm attracted to. Because ever since I've been young, like, the, like, first, like, men of color who I've been introduced to, Arab men by my best friend who's Arab, like, attracted to them. And then as I was, like, and then as I was um, interacting with other races and other ethnicities, it was, like, then I became attracted to them and to them and to them. And it was, you know, so I was always, I was always straying away from the white man. I mean, I remember my, um, one of my guy friends making like obvious, uh, just like an incredibly like ignorant and racist comment and saying that he's never been attracted to black women. And that's, and I mean, I think saying that isn't necessarily like, racist or ignorant I think that that's fair to say that you're not attracted to x y and z as I'm not attracted generally not attracted to white men it was the way that he said it that was just like you've just been made to believe this in a sense like you've never considered these individuals in like in a light where you could like see them as attractive and see their beauty. I don't know if this is, like, if I'm completely talking out of my ass. I, like, vividly remember him saying this, and in him saying this, I was like, well, yeah, like, that makes perfect sense that you're not attracted to black women as a white male because you have been told your entire life that the standard of beauty is a, a woman with European features, a little blonde really Barbie doll. Yeah, like that's what you have been. Everything <laughs> yeah, that's what <laughs> you've been given as like, I don't know, this girl's hot, sort of a thing. Yeah, and 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 in that, I'm so yeah, right, there's, there's the element of like unconsciousness in our attraction. And I definitely think, and I think that's what I mean when I'm saying I've been, like, looking and being, like, why am I requiring, like, this man to be so tall? Like, why am I requiring these certain features that fit into gendered norms and gendered expectations that I've been told my entire life? And the same thing can be said for race, et cetera, ability, et cetera. And, but, like, yeah, it's complicated because it's so unconscious. And I literally have had an ex tell me that they, like, would not be interested in a person, in a woman like Kamala Harris or someone who is, like, a woman in a power position. Like, they're like, yeah, I just don't think I'd be attracted to that person. But why? Because that isn't doesn't fit this, like, docile version of a woman that you're, like, have been told your entire life that's who you should look for. It, like, but he could, like, you know, in that way, he, like, couldn't necessarily control it. Like, but I don't feel it. Like, it's just not there. And, you know, that case can be said for a minute. I think that's a complicated part is that it's so unconscious, it's so, like, knee-jerk, it's so gut, and it's probably riddled and mostly riddled with, like, all of the systemic messages that have been sent to us. So it's a huge, complicated combination, but it still feels 
completely out of your hands in a way. Like, I would say, yes, this yeah, is we're tapping, we're tapping into the differences between men and women and attraction. And, like, I, I'm here, like, I think we have to address pornography when it comes to men and how that has shaped the entire generation of millennial men, which had never been, never in the course of human history was shaped by this massive industry that very much mm. was creating certain narratives. And mm. whenever, whenever I hear a man talk about you know, I like this or I like that, or, you know, like Meg was saying with a white man saying, I, I don't, you know, find black women attractive. I think it's literally because all the porn he watched when he was a kid were just white women. So he doesn't even think that maybe he could try to like, you know, a black woman. So, and there, I think men, you know, and this is, could be a, a limiting belief, but I think that in a way they are a little more simple and that in, in that respect, there is hope that they could make an easier shift because, you know, it, it was so much like a visual, like, propaganda almost, but that's just what I think of. Well, I mean, yeah, the, the um, porn industry just, yes, I think, I guess I've, I've, less, I've thought less about uh, attraction than I have just about, like, like just roles obviously in terms in regards to sex and then like that mm. just speaks to like roles within the greater relationship like of course that's completely warped like all like young young men and women and just young individuals minds of what what it means to be like I guess yes attracted and namely just sexual with someone it's like completely it's fucked it's fucked all women not like no pun intended and pun intended really pretty disgusting and to separate that i know unfortunately i feel like there are women who have to who have to experience what it is like that the man has been shown is to be like sex or like showing some level of of affection or interest or whatever it is and experience that and then be like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, I don't want this, you know? Yeah. So you're talking more specifically about like intercourse and, um, you know, male, uh, coming to climax versus female coming to climax and how the the man the narrative of a man in sex is completely different than a woman especially if they've been conditioned by pornography not even to really experience but that's the thing is that there is um there is a TEDx and I will find the name of the person is this older woman I think she was in her 70s but she was talking about you know, she's a goddess, and she's like, I've had sex with young men and older men and blah, 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 whatever. So she literally took her sex data <laughs> and, you know, did a TEDx and was like, basically, there is such a difference between millennial men versus men beyond men before the 80s and 70s. And, I mean, these are people who were able to explore sex you know, with more freedom and on their own and create 
you know, their version of sex, you know, in a way, like in a Wait, way. when was this? You know, like in the 70s and every every year and age before pornography, I mean, a man figured out how to have sex on his own. Like he didn't have a little visual guide that says, you know, mm. you like this and you turn around and you do this and you do that. You know, like they discovered that on their own. And in a way, pornography took away that from men, too. I feel like it is very much a generational thing because before the 90s on Internet pornography, people, you know, people were figuring it out together more than, you know, mm. this is the, the narrative that we have, that I'm coming to bed with and that you will, you know, submit to. And I know exactly how you're going to act. You're going to squeal in this moment and, you know, mm. scream in this moment. And if I do this and slap your butt, then this is the effect. Hmm. But I think it's more of a generational thing. That's mad that interesting. Fascinating. Or, like, meet a millennial man that has also watched, like, more progressive porn. Which probably doesn't exist, but... I hope so. <laughs> no, I think there is. There is. There is. There's, like, yeah, there's more progressive porn that, like, works on, like, having more realistic things. Like, I know... I took a class called Femsex, and they were showing, like, this is yeah. what progressive porn looks like. And they showed the conversation about, like, it was actually a lesbian porn site. And it was showing, like, like not only did they show the the sex and, like, the experience of the people involved, but they also showed beforehand, like, the conversation that they had before about, like, okay, this is what fisting is. This is what it's going to look like. This is what it, like, how do you feel about this? Is this okay? Like, they literally sat, watched, like, a two-byte, like, them sitting next to each other having a conversation about what fisting is and that they were going to try it. Then they, like, showed the actual, like, act. And so the tension, like, being more realistic, like, it wasn't, it was just, like, in a room. It wasn't like, um, you know, all done up with, like, lights and music and whatever. It was, like, this is just people having sex. <laughs> maybe if we also, like, make that a norm, maybe that can feed some whatever need it is serving, that porn is serving, but also, like, not giving people, like, this really unrealistic understanding of what sex is. I mean, I think that, obviously, the porn industry is, you know, impacted sex and the way that we all view and have sex, um, obviously, I mean, not only for those who consume porn, those who, like, because obviously if you're having sex with someone who consumes porn, then it's affecting the way that you're having sex. So you don't even have to consume it in order to be affected by it. And mm. I think in going back to the the question of attraction, dating apps and how uh, a friend uh, phrased it, which I, like, think is so genius, like, this idea of, like, filtered dating where, like, you can filter out races. Um, you can filter out religion and politics, I believe, and, and et cetera. And there is, like, I feel like there is, I mean, attraction is then based off of, like, the pictures that they take and what you can just, like, visually see from their profile. And then if you essentially are not attracted to their five pictures that are shown on their profile, then you're not going to have the opportunity to find if you're attracted to them in person as well, you know? 
So but I think that, like, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think I was just in reading Aziz Ansari's book, What's Up, Aziz? Hope you listen to this. Um, he, the, whatever, they were talking about how, like, how, and I've, I've been saying this, like, how is this really different than meeting in a bar? Because, and it is different. It's totally different. But, like, in the same way of, like, like you said, we have five pictures, we have a profile. Whoever's the best at putting that together is probably going to get more traction. And the other person who is not great at putting these together and takes, like, 20 mirror selfies at the gym it may not get as much, get, get as many hits, right? But that kind of same thing goes for being in a bar and the person that maybe, like, didn't really, like, is really uncomfortable in a bar and, like, isn't holding themselves in a specific way and maybe didn't wear, like, the, the most, like, attractive outfit, they're not, like, people are going to miss out on them as well. Like, it's kind of like everyone has their yeah. different strength points. It's just, like, where are you stronger? Where's your game at? Like, which one are you better at? Where's um, your game at? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, like, I truly... I don't think it's that much different. It's just playing to someone else's strength, like someone who's really good with photos and, like, expressing themselves via, via, you know, like a a paragraph, like, they're going to do better. Whereas someone else who, like, dresses really well, has a really good eye for, like, their clothes and feels really confident in a bar, like, they're not going to get – they're going to get more attention in a bar. So it's just kind of, like, changing – adding a different playing field, truly. Yeah, I can yeah, definitely no, speak true. to that because this um, this Italian man that I was talking to, he was saying that for him, he very much, um, sorry, he's German and Italian. So it, he was saying in Germany, and it's also very interesting to just totally talk about like dating and, you know, the rest of the world versus America, um, especially like in New York versus America. But anyway, so the, there's those context, contextual things, but um, for him, he's used to in, in his country where there's a lot of like texting back and forth for like maybe a week or two, which irritates the shit out of, I mean, New York women at least, because it's like, I'm not trying to find a pen pal here. Like, can you just like ask me out already? But for him, it's very normal. Um, either way, it could not be normal for everyone in Germany. Like, it could just be this long person. So there's a bias there. But either way, he's, once I got to know him a little more, he's not aggressive. You know, he's not going to be the person at the bar who's going to go up to you and say, you know, how are you or whatever. And aggressive, and I do want to say aggressive doesn't have to be like, hey, sexy mama, <laughs> let your butt, you know, it can just be like, Yeah, it can also be assertive. The energy to like, you know, build up the courage to just say hello to a stranger that you, you know, may find attractive. But he was saying that He's not the type of guy who likes to make a move. He really prefers to, like, see if the woman is interested in him, and then he'll make a move, which, you know, sounds very lazy. But, yeah, but it's different. It's just his nature to, you know, be a little bit more passive in the beginning. Um, And then, you know, I think once he builds a little more confidence that there's, like, consent, basically, then, you know, he's very much involved and like any other guy, but so he prefers the app because he can, you know, talk to people and see that they do want him. So in a way that could be his insecurities coming through that he doesn't believe that some someone he may like would want him. So that also could yeah, yeah. affect the app too because then you're like, okay, at least I have the app. So one assurance that I know that they swiped right on me when I swiped right on them. 
Um, whereas in yeah, that's the revolutionary element of Tinder. Like that was the biggest ad that they brought to the industry is that there was mutual mutual selection versus in the past it was like not that way. This was and it also made women feel it made women feel better. It made men feel better. It's like totally changed the your confidence in approaching because it's not like your insecurities can be like this much more alleviated just a little right um, in terms of making a move. That makes sense. That makes a lot of revolutionary. Sense. I suppose it really is. Like as as like simple as it seems now, like it truly. I guess the idea of, of course, walking up to someone like on the platform or at a bar or at a networking event or what. Like of course, like there is a like a gamble. You know, and, like, your pride is on the line and your confidence and, like, obviously, obvious, like, fear of rejection and everything. And I never, ever thought about dating apps as eliminating that. With, with like, meeting people in person. Like, I'm still, I still lean towards meeting people in person. It just, if you are just open to... I feel the more open you are, and this can just be, like, a spiritual thing in general. Like, the more open you are and the more you're in, you're just feeling secure with yourself and open with whatever may happen. Um, in that sense, like, it's kind of nice to just let things flow and get to know people and not really have expectations and see what happens because you might talk to someone else and you might talk to someone else and then, you know, you're just being friendly with them. And if you're not kind of putting some sort of agenda, who knows what can happen. And I don't know, I I think and and that maybe that's me me being a little bit more romantic, but um, I think that there's still some validity in that. I don't know. I, I like it. There was a lot discussed in this first episode, part one of attraction. I wanted to summarize so that we can land this plane here. Three things. Do what empowers you. If you like apps, do the apps. Two, be open-minded. Attraction is complicated. Three, it's okay if you don't feel chemistry even after you've given someone a chance. Thank you for listening and join us for the second part of this conversation. There's more that we tap into and Nora joins us for a hot minute. You can find out more at closeupcity.com. You can follow us on Instagram, closeupcity. You can find us on iTunes, Anchor, lots of different platforms. Subscribe, rate, and review and try to take a creative perspective to your love life who knows what will happen